I'm Siri Lindley, two-time world champion, author, speaker, animal activist, survivor, and thriver. I have found a way to overcome every challenge and to take the impossible and make it possible. On my podcast, we're going to talk real life. We're going to get vulnerable. We're going to go first. You're not alone in your fears, your doubts, or your worries. The most successful people in the world have them. Stick with me on this journey. I will help you harness your power, claim your magic, and create the life that you dream of. So everyone, my hero, Tiffany Stauffer. Welcome. Thank you for being here, Tiffany. Thank you for the opportunity. Oh my God. Now, everybody knows already from the introduction how highly I think of you, how much you have not only changed the lives of our horses here at Believe Ranch and Rescue, but how much you've impacted me. And just so you all know, Tiffany is like half my age. <laughs> so don't ever think that you can't learn from youngsters because this woman is wise beyond her years. And Tiffany, I just want to thank you personally for the impact you've had on my life. And welcome. People want to know, like, like, how did you become this extraordinary woman that you are today? Like, where did it all start? Well, I want to preface that by, you know, the opportunities that you've had in my life as well. Um, you guys were probably my first, um, source where I was actually working for somebody else. Um, I did, I was training horses before that, but you guys are my first opportunity to like work out of another facility. Um, so quite honestly, you guys were one ones that opened up that door for me, um, and kind of headed me down back down the horse training side of it. Uh, but as far as where I got started, uh, I was horse crazy from day one. Um, I always loved horses. You know, my parents used to joke. It's like, I would scream and scream. They'd set me up on a horse. I'd shut up and play with their mane. They'd take me off and I'd scream again. So from before I could walk or talk, um, horses were, were an absolute love of mine. And then, um, you know, I kind of just pursued that. And my mom was a great supporter in all my opportunities to show and learn and take lessons. Um, and then I started training for outside clients, training horses at the age of 12. So I'm sure I wasn't any good, but there were, there were definitely people that believed in me and were giving me these amazing opportunities. So I got to start and put the first rides on horses at the age of 12. And then um, my mom trained horses a little bit, just kind of, you know, low key local stuff. And she went through some health issues and had some herniated discs in her back. And so when I was in high school, um, she was got to a point where she was unable to walk anymore. She couldn't drive, she couldn't sit, she couldn't walk. And so I, at that point, took over all of her training horses. And so kind of dived headfirst into, you know, that realm and starting horses and working with problem horses was what my mom's gig was. And so doing that on top of, you know, helping her run the farm and do things and my parents had split, so my mom was taking care of the farm on her own, and it was a great opportunity for me to learn to do all of the things involved in that, so driving skid steers, loading hay, you know, well before I was ever allowed to legally drive on a road, I got to experience all of the, the stuff that goes with, with horses, essentially. Wow. That's how I got 
Okay, so, I mean, that's a lot for a teenager. Did you ever feel like, like I'm not ready for all of this? Or was it because it was horses, was it something that you embraced? I absolutely uh, embraced it. And I am totally a person up for a challenge. Um, that's something I know about myself is if it's a challenge, I will rise, you know, I like to rise up and challenge myself and see, you know, how well I can do things, how far I can go, what I can handle, what I can't handle. And, and knowing yourself and your limits, I kind of know how much of a challenge I can handle. Um, and I know what's out of my league and I know when to find help for that too. Um, so, I mean, I definitely embraced it. I knew I had big goals even as a kid and, and you have to work really hard to get to that. So it was, Amazing. It was okay. So many things in this, but the first one I want to ask you is, did you have people that you learned from, or was it just your time with the horses, getting to know them where you developed your own style of training them? So a little bit of both. I was never, you know, we didn't have a whole lot of money. So I wasn't one of the kids that got to take weekly lessons. Yeah. Um, so my mom, you know, was, was into the horse training and starting colts. So I got to learn a lot from her. And that was something that her and I would do together is, is work horses. And it's definitely easier to start horses as a team. So I got to be, my mom and I were on a team starting horses. Um, so I learned a lot from her and then inconsistently dabbled through lessons from various trainers. Um, so I, I took some reining lessons. There was a 4-H program um, that had a couple instructors. Um, so we'd go up twice a week and, and just some local people would give us pointers. And so I got to learn from them. And then as it progressed, um, went to various clinics. And I don't know that I've ever taken more than five lessons from the same person. Wow. So it's all very different disciplines, different methods. And I always joke, it's like, I'm going to learn something from everyone, whether it's what I like or what I don't like. And then I take the pieces I like, I implement them. And what I don't like, I kind of learn from and and I've been able to really get a whole lot of tools in my toolbox per se. And, you know, if one thing doesn't work with a horse, I always call it, I refer to it as I'll go back to the drawing board. I tried what I knew or what has worked in the past. It didn't work. Okay. Time to go back to the drawing board and figure out something else. And so learning from all the different styles has really helped me be able to do that. Amazing. And everyone, this is so important for life. I mean, as I'm so relating to you with my own coaching style, you know, starting with triathletes, not just doing what every other great coach has done before, but witnessing what, what led to my success, what led to my injuries and bad races, you know, taking a little bit of everything and then designing something that felt right to me that I believed in with all my heart. But again, like getting feedback from how things are going. And if you, you know, are disappointed or you fall short and something, some goal you set for yourself, come back to the drawing board and figure out how you need to change your approach or what you need to do differently. So this is exactly what I've done in my life. And I think so many people, Tiffany, you know, take one route and say, this is how I'm going to do it because this person achieves success this way. But that may get you far, but it's not going to get you to doing those extraordinary things that come from doing it authentically, doing it in a way that feels so true and so right to you. Like that's where the magic is created. 
And I mean, here you are, you're 24 years old. And as I said in the intro, everyone, Tiffany is a five-time world champion. And Tiffany, I didn't list the different, you know, things that you're world champion in, but now I'm understanding that because you were learning from all these different people, what that's giving you is this, you know, ability to be at the highest level, world champion, everyone, best in the world at these different things. So please share with us, what are those five things? And you're going to be amazed, everybody. Like, I didn't even know this. I just found this out about Tiffany. She's been <laughs> training our horses for five years or whatever it's been now. And then she just spits out one day, oh, yeah, I've won five world championships. And I'm like, what? You're so humble. But please share with us. And, and which is your favorite, too? Um, probably my favorite would be my most recent one, which was mounted shooting. Um, so that was, it's kind of a funny story how that came about. Um, you know, I, I like shooting and I love horses and I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie in my own way. So running fast shooting guns sounded really cool to me and I wanted to get into it, but you know, the startup cost is kind of a lot of money. You need guns and holsters and the equipment. And so I, I dabbled in it, went to a clinic and didn't stick with it. Um, finally, you know, got all the correct equipment. The reason I didn't stick with it is because I bought the wrong guns. Well, little did I know, I didn't know enough to, to get the right stuff. And so by the time I could afford my own equipment, um, I started getting into mounted shooting. I think I was shooting for two or three months and the horse I was shooting on unexpectedly suffered an injury. So I was out of horse um, and it is the best horse community ever. So I had just started, I was super new to mounted shooting and people had heard of what happened to my horse. And so I had four or five people volunteer right away to give me horses to ride. And so all winter long, I was jump riding other people's horses because, you know, they watched me work with my own horse. They're like, wow, like you can absolutely ride one of mine. So I went through a winter series, ended up winning the, the winter series with, I believe it was the Colorado Mounted Thunder um, and just absolutely fell in love with the people, fell in love with the sport. And then the following, so that was through the winter. So my horse hurt himself in the fall. I jump rode horses through the winter and then bought um, another horse for me to start working with the next spring and and she was a challenge she hated shooting um, she's highly reactive she does not like gunfire at all and so it was kind of frustrating because I'd kind of found this new sport I wanted to get into and she really threw me through every loophole possible and so it was one of those things I had to go back to the drawing board again and I took some some lessons from some really awesome people and I got some tips, but quite honestly, the biggest indicator was my horse. And so, you know, I remember I was trying different tack and different equipment and I, I went to the, the tack store the one time and I was like, okay, what will work for her? Cause what I have isn't working. And so I'm not a huge person of change a bit and change everything, but the one I was riding her in, she really didn't like. So I remember going to the tack store and, um, I'm always a person I like to put myself in other people's positions or in this case, another horse's position. And so I started putting all these bits in my mouth. And, and so I picked one based off of what they felt like in my own mouth. And uh, it actually really was, that was kind of our turning point. I found some equipment that she enjoyed, um, got us communicated on a better level. And uh, to this day, she still really doesn't like gunfire, but we've worked through it enough that as long as I stay out of her way, she runs, she does her job. And she listens to me and she just lets me shoot. And so um, after it was a year and a half of, of battling that, I believe, or yeah, 
And um, we, we ended up going down to Texas uh, last fall, 2021 in October for the CMSA World Championships, which is Cowboy Mounted Shooting Association. And um, I signed up for a couple things. So there's a couple different organizations that run down there. Um, and so our first run, cause I get really bad show nerves. And so I, I signed up for the American Quarter Horse Association classes as well. I went in there and blew them, absolutely blew them. I was all over the place. There's just so much to think about. And so it was not my horse's fault. She was flawless and I went in there and couldn't, couldn't hold up to the pressure. And so I was, I was like, I know I have the potential. I have the potential and I have to control my mind and ride, you know, to my ability. I was kind of trying to outride myself. And so we came back and there's five stages. So I go in and run five different times for the CMSA classes and and all five times I ended up staying completely clean. Um, I had a really awesome trick shot because I missed one of my balloons. And so on the spot, I thought to kind of cut through and shot two balloons at one time um, and managed to stay in the qualifying round. And then we ended up winning our class for the L3 um, division. So it was, it definitely was one of the hardest things. And it's kind of a, I wasn't, had I never, you know, met some awesome people, I never would have stuck with mounted shooting to begin with. So it's just, is, is, is really cool every step of the way. Wow. Okay. A couple questions I have. First one, you know, you say you get the, the pre event anxiety, which so many people okay. here can relate to, whether it's pre race anxiety or pre presentation anxiety. Tell me exactly like, what was your process? Because then you go on to win the whole thing. So what was your process to go from that space that you were in where you saw this is not going to get me where I want to go? Are there steps that you took? If you could share that. Um, I mean, something that I learned early on, you know, showing horses is when I get in that headspace, I forget to take care of myself. Um, so eating healthy, remembering to eat and drink was a huge thing. And when I started showing, I wouldn't eat or drink and it would also lead to me being forgetful or forgetting patterns. And so being able to manage and remember to take care of myself um, was an important one for me. And then, you know, really remembering that horses don't care about competition. Yeah. You know, whether I win or I lose, my horse does not care. I cannot, you know, it's it's really easy to take frustration out on the people and horses around you. And and I definitely had been guilty of that in the past. And, you know, it, it would cause some issues. My mom would call it, oh, it's, you know, Tiffany has show brain, you know, it's, I would get irritated. And so learning how to control that and be grateful for the opportunity and go in with a mindset of if I win great, if I lose, I'm going to learn. And so, you know, coming to terms before I ever go in there, that there's always potential, especially when you're working with a 1200 pound animal, yeah. things might not go your way, especially at top speeds with gunfire. So just, you know, it was one of those things I was just grateful to be there and, uh, you know, remembering to be grateful. That was, that's one of my biggest things. And then whatever happens, happens. And if anything, you get the experience. So that was, that helped me quite a bit. Okay. Can you all see why I love this girl so much? Because Tiffany, I always say trade your expectations for appreciation and see your entire world change. And that's basically what you kind of did is said, I'm just going to appreciate and be grateful. And I mean, that's one of your steps, but I love the taking care of yourself because you're exactly right. Like when you get forgetful and you forget to take care of you, all these other things, forgetfulness or not being sharp, that comes from 
you know, being thirsty, being hungry, your brain not getting the nutrients it needs. So that's so incredibly powerful. So, so that was your favorite. And, and I also have a question about your amazing horse. Like, I mean, that's a big thing to move through. You think about, you know, gunfire is terrifying for, for people and especially for a lot of horses. Like, how did you move through that with her? I know you got her a, a bit and I love that you tried it on yourself. It shows that you're really, you know, empathic, like you want to feel what she feels. But how did you get her to the place where she was okay with it? Maybe didn't love it, but okay with it. So it's, it was, yeah, there was a, there's a long process to that. So when I first got her, I was just hauling her to shoot. So she was, was around the gunfire and man, I think the first shoot I took her to, her body was flinching every shot. I mean, there were easily probably 500 shots that went off and, and you know, she's really high anxiety. So I tried a couple calming supplements. None of them really seemed to help at all. Um, she does wear earplugs. Um, that was non-negotiable because of how bad she reacted to it. So she really didn't like the idea of earplugs, but you know, I was able to work her through it and, you know, she definitely was, was a lot calmer when she wore her earplugs. And, um, and then one of the shoots I went to, I don't know if you're ever, if, if you're familiar with like a Beamer blanket, yes. um, it's like the PEMP technology. And that was one of those, it made a huge difference. Um, but for her too, when I, when I went back to changing the bits, um, it was because she would go kind of into fight or flight and she would just flight. And so if I pulled too hard on the reins, she would go and do a shutdown and like override it. So she didn't care. So finding something that was soft enough for her, so she wasn't overriding the pain versus, you know, it was still enough to kind of get her attention, just, just enough to bring her back so I could control her when she was going into that. But being around her and then for some reason I don't know the science behind it I'm not a very book smart person um, but that beamer blanket was huge and she came into the arena with like a whole new mentality I don't know if she just felt better um, but we played with with a lot of different things and a lot of different variables and and different tack and different saddles just to see what she liked and then you know I also went and took some lessons too and you know, Dee Chapman is an awesome um, mounted shooting coach in Colorado. And, you know, when we started with gunfire, you know, so she would, we'd start off and she actually ended up getting on her just to get a feel for. Her. And, you know, she had me start practicing. I would fire a shot and then we'd stop, stand and settle. Mm -hmm. So she associated with the shot with, okay, now come back, sit down, settle and just relax. And so trying to find the relaxation because I mean, mounted shooting is time. So your, your whole premise is to run as fast as possible, you know, and shoot as many balloons as you can, you know, in the pattern. And so, you know, really going back on her level and, and bringing her back, you know, back to earth kind of, and, you know, when she'd get in that takeoff, we'd bring her back and just try and let her stand, really try and like have that grounding energy to us and just see if we can get her to just relax. So gunfire equals, okay, now stop and relax. And so that, you know, a combination of absolutely everything, you know, equipment, health, grains, you know, calming supplements, all of it. And we finally found like a winning combo, but it okay. took, it took over a year. Yeah. And I love that because everyone like Tiffany, you have the ultimate patience. And that's one of the things that I think horses teach us. That's so incredibly powerful, but I want everyone to know that you know, the horses love this. They don't care about winning or losing. 
but it's that what do you think that they love so much about this once you get to the point where you're doing this amazing job together because I feel like when I get it right with with Savannah and we're riding I feel her joy like I feel this connection I feel like we're one and it's the most beautiful feeling in the world and you took this amazing horse from not liking something to being able to do something together that was so incredibly rewarding and fulfilling and bonding. So what is it, do you think, not that you can hear them answer this question, but what do you think it is that they do love about these events that you do together? Because they don't care about winning or losing. So as you were talking, it also kind of brought something else into focus for me, because a lot of times I just do things and I don't think about it. Um, but one of the things that helped her tremendously had nothing to do with shooting. So like you said, it's like they want a partnership, they want a relationship. And so I worked on shooting, not even once a week. So we were not out there five days a week working on shooting and guns. I would say maybe once every other week, we actually worked on shooting. Um, the rest of the time we worked on a relationship. And so with her is really I was kind of headed down this liberty path, which is, you know, no tack, no halter. Um, and so I really started that with her and got her mind engaged and horses enjoy learning. Um, and once you have a working relationship, um, they definitely like to figure out things and new challenges and they actually can get very proud of themselves. Yeah. And so her and I focused a lot on liberty and just seeing her personality shine through that so that, you know, that made it worth it to her. It's like, okay, this is my person. I love doing these things with her. We've learned all these things. And Ben Atkinson, you know, he has, he has a way of putting it that everything you teach a horse is a word in their language. The more words you have in their language, the more colorful the conversation, the more fun it's going to be to talk. So even though 90% of our work had nothing to do with shooting, what I was doing was building a relationship with her. And so she began to develop this love to work for me so that when I asked her to do the shooting, she, you know, she's like, okay, this is not my favorite, but I like you and I love working for you. So I will tolerate this because you like it. And so it was kind of a, a realizing moment for her. And now I can actually get on her and shoot on her with no bridle um, because of all the non-shooting stuff we did. Our communication is so great. So That's amazing. I with her too, the less tack I had, the more mentally engaged she was, the better she'd listen. So if I took my bridle off, she'd listen to me better, which is opposite what most horse people think. But it really worked to get her brain engaged and working and figuring things out. That's amazing. And I can say, because lately, and I don't know why, but ever since I survived leukemia and came back like you'd think I'd be more fearful but I ride Savannah with never with a bit anymore and she is more responsive more like just incredible than she's ever been before so okay with all of this now don't let me forget to ask you the other what the other four world championships were but I want to focus on like the horse because I know you feel and you've said that developing a relationship with a horse and the work you do together with a horse helps give you the tools to navigate life. And I totally agree with you, one million percent, even though I came into this, you know, later on in my life. But what do you think are the most powerful lessons that you've learned from working together with horses that you've carried into your life? Oh, boy. The most powerful lessons. Let's see. Um, the biggest one 
is, you know, horses are a mirror, but quite honestly, they don't hold, they, they're not manipulative in the way that they do things and the way they hold things. So if a horse is mistreated, um, you know, you definitely have to do a lot more work to kind of make them comfortable. But once they, once they kind of come around, you can communicate openly. And so what that taught me too, is you can have a terrible background and you could have tragic things happen to you and you can still learn to work through them. And so, especially working with rescue horses, you know, it's what your past was does not dictate where your future is going. And so that was, that was probably a big one for me. And quite honestly, some of the strongest connections I've had with animals, one of them was a dog. You know, it was just a severe, severe mistreatment of animals. And it can lead to the most powerful connection when they realize that life doesn't have to be like that. And we, we can change the narrative. You know, obviously horses can't change their own narrative when they're in the hands of people, but we can. You know, we have the ability to say, you know, lay boundaries and go find new resources or you know, change our path. If we don't like the path we're going down, we can change that. Um, and so realizing how much control we have over our mental health, physical health, I think all of it ties in together. Um, but horses, you know, we're definitely eye-opening and you don't have to let your past dictate your future. Oh my God. Change your story, change your life. I mean, that's how I've lived through every <laughs> tough thing is deciding what I want it to mean to me. And I never wanted it to mean the end or a tragedy or my life is going to suck because of it. And it was giving each of those things that happened an empowering meaning to then propel me to all the things that I wanted to experience in my life. But the horses, I mean, I mean, that's why we do what we do. I didn't, re I didn't know why we were doing what we were doing, to be honest, when we started, I'm like, what the hell are we doing? But I understand it now. And it is, I think, part of that that you're talking about, Tiffany, is, you know, like these horses that come to us, they have been oftentimes so let down by humans, you know, badly let down, whether it was abuse or neglect or just discarding them, you know, after years of service. But I feel like after one week of them being here and we love on them and we feed them consistently at the same time, they always have water, they get vet care, we speak kindly, we don't push them, we're patient. They forgive humans. Like after a week, we don't do that. We don't do that. We get hurt. We hold on to stuff for a lifetime sometimes. And what does that do? It causes us pain and resentment and it holds us back. It gives us an excuse as to why we can't experience joy and fulfillment, why we haven't succeeded like we wanted to, why we haven't had a love that we dreamed of having. We have an excuse because we are blaming someone for, well, not you know, but, but what I'm saying is that the most powerful lesson I got from watching these horses is like, you know, they forgive humans in a week. They open themselves up to love from us. They open themselves up to joy and the promise of a new future. And in witnessing that, that allowed me to look at my father, who most of my listeners know, I don't even know if I've told you this story, but 
when he kind of shoved me out of his life when he found out I was gay, like, I wouldn't be the woman that I am today, the woman that I'm really proud to be today, if it weren't for him being exactly the father I needed him to be. Like, his rejection gave birth inside of me to this insatiable hunger, this determination, this will, this drive to, to become something that I could be proud of, to love myself, to believe in myself, to know that I could have an impact in this world, I could make a difference in this world. And when I forgave him, I became free. When, when the horses teach us how to forgive, when they forgive, they become free to have an amazing life. And when we forgive, we become free. Yes, we're setting them free, but almost forgiveness is almost more for us than for the person we forgive because it finally empowers us to live the life we deserve. Sorry, I totally went off, um, went off there, but thoughts. Um, oh. So yeah, that's, it's definitely one of those things I've always said that really the only person you're harming by holding on to a grudge or not forgiving is yourself. Um, it's not harming them any. And so, you know, I had a, a similar, you know, thing with my dad and, you know, the rejection and he told me all these things I couldn't do. So I had that much more reason to do them. And so, you know, going to school and that was my roundabout way of, of coming back to horses. I did take the more traditional, you know, go to college, get a degree, work an engineering job path. Um, but now, you know, a lot of those things where I went happened because my dad told me I couldn't do it. And so it's like, well, there was a part of me at the time I was trying to do it kind of spiteful, but it did, it really opened up that driving force. And, and I was able to find myself in that. And I finally came to terms before him and I came to terms, um, that I don't care what he thinks because I'm proud of me. And so that's, that's huge. And even watching the horses now, everyone's journey is different and some horses take longer, just like people. I mean, we're all, we're all different. And so being a, but like from an outsider's perspective, I think horses are a great mirror. And as we look at them and we can easily see that if they would just learn to settle down and let the anxiety go and live again, their life would be better. But now, you know, it's, it's hard when people think about that as far as they go, you know, it's, they look at their life and it's like, oh, well, I've been through this or I've been through that, but we can look at a horse easily and say, but it'd be so much better if you could just let go and forgive and move on. So that's, it is really cool. Like you said, when they learn to love and their quality of life improves and uh, people have the, the opportunity to do that as well. They just don't realize it. Amazing. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more because it, I just... I remember you going to Colorado School of the Mines. You're doing your engineering. Did you realize then that you were doing it more from like this force energy rather than flow to prove something to your father? Did you realize that or do you realize that now? Um, so not quite. I didn't go to school because of him. I had applied to several schools and there was there was one that he wanted me to go to. And he told me I couldn't take a horse to college. So I did. And he told me I couldn't buy a truck. So I did. And you know, my, my goal the entire time was to go to school. I wanted to be an engineer and, um, kind of in a way. So my, my life goal and has been since middle school is to have a therapeutic riding center and, um, horse trainers make crap for money. I, that's just known engineers make a lot more. So my whole philosophy, you know, graduate, you know, in middle school, high school and graduating was 
if I go to school and I get my engineering degree, I can make enough money a lot faster to build my therapeutic center. And so that was my own kind of, this is how I'm going to, you know, make my life happen. And I am a, a person of faith. And, you know, there's the saying, it's like, you make plans and God laughs. And so I definitely feel it was one of those. And it wasn't my plan or my purpose to be going to school and working as an engineer. So I, I got my degree and um, in petroleum engineering and ended up walking into a transmission line engineer position. And my whole purpose for going into petroleum engineering was I wanted to be outside in the field and very hands-on, like to be active. And I walked into an eight hour a day desk job, which is exactly what I didn't want. And so when I took the job, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I was trying to stay very disciplined and, and this is how I'm going to make money. And, you know, and I really tried to follow and pursue that. And I worked for them for, oh, I think close to two years. And um, I was miserable. I was also managing a boarding facility to be able to afford my own horses because, you know, living in Colorado is expensive and I was just out of school. And so trying to navigate life and support my hobby. And I would just get so upset. I was living in a barn apartment and it would just drive me nuts when I would hear people outside with their horses. I was like, why can't I do this? Why can't I be out there doing that? And, and I had flipped horses all the way through school. Um, you know, I made money to kind of put myself through school, flipping horses and then working for, you know, like the rescue. And I had several other clients in Colorado. So I'd never stopped the horse training side. It was just always a side gig. And so at one point I was just, I'd gotten to a point, I was just kind of miserable and I, I didn't really enjoy my life. And um, I had found, you know, I've, I've always been one to take opportunities and everything just fell in line. It was one of those things that was meant to be. And even though I spent, you know, six years saying I was never moving back to Wisconsin, which is where I grew up, um, I ended up finding a perfect property and got approved on the fact that I still had an engineering income. And when we were working remotely and, and they, I asked if I could work remotely and, and move and they told me no. And so I had a decision. I was like, okay, well, I got approved for my mortgage. I went and saw the house. It's like, I'm either going to have to cut it off and go full-time horse training or not take the opportunity and stay here working a mundane nine to five job you know, and busting my butt and only getting to see my horses a little bit because I don't have time. And so I kind of knew what was right for me. Um, it felt right. And I feel like that was my path all along, but there's so many steps along the way, you know, going to school is absolutely what I was. Amazing people, every little piece of, of every part of my life, whether it was good or bad, or the fact that you know, even how I came to be connected with you guys, every little piece is so intricate and it was just part of a bigger plan. And, and for that, I'm very, very grateful. So I finally just realized that my life, I have so much talent and so much passion for these amazing animals that my life was kind of being wasted sitting at a computer doing a job that a lot of other people can do. I mean, that's just so inspiring. And you're so right. I feel that every single thing, it's, it's all meant to be our path, the good, the bad, the people that come in our lives, maybe the people that hurt us, the people that bring great things, like it's all just a part of God's great plan for us. Now that took a lot of courage, you know, a lot of faith, a lot of courage to make that decision. And I know there's a lot of people on here listening that have been in situations where they know what they want. They know what feels authentic to them, what would bring them the greatest joy, but it's that fear of leaving the certainty of 
a job that's bringing in the money and, and your story, like your story was, I'm going to get my engineering degree, get a great job, make some money, put it away and eventually do what I love. Yeah, like yeah. postponing joy. Don't postpone joy. A lot of it too was, you know, my mom sway on it because my mom had some health problems and her biggest thing was, you know, well, what if you break your back? Well, a constant job is, is cushy. It's a paycheck every month. Like it was getting an engineering degree was definitely the easier way to go. Um, and I'm not going to deny that it's, it's really hard work trying to run everything and, you know, leave a nice job and, you know, the health insurance and all those pieces, it would have definitely been easier to stay with them. I walked, it was an awesome company. Um, they were great people. They treated me very well. It had nothing to do with the company. It just had to do with, with my lifestyle and, and what was fulfilling for me because it wasn't fulfilling. Yeah. So, so how did you, so how did you find the courage? Like what, what did you finally do that said, yeah, I'm doing it. Well, so I've always been one of those things. I'm very impulsive, but it's always thought out. And so I had been looking for, I kind of knew in the back of my mind that I, I wanted to get a facility that I could train horses out of. And the place I was staying in Colorado just wasn't quite set up for it. They didn't have an indoor arena. Um, there were a lot of boxes it didn't check as far as setup and all that stuff. So I've been watching, you know, and the states I wanted to live in, which was, you know, Wyoming, Montana, Idaho area, one of the Dakotas and for probably a year. And I just kept watching and kept watching. And I was like, and so I talked to a couple of people and looked at a couple of houses before they ever went on the market. And I was always kept the door open. And I was like, okay, when, when the right thing happens, it'll just happen. And I've, I'm always a person that when the opportunity presents itself, I'm really good at taking it. And so there were a lot of things that it just didn't feel right. And I went to one facility up in, in Northern Colorado to, to look at for potentially buying and it just didn't feel right. I was there. I was like, okay, this feels like a waste of time. I'm so busy. I don't even have, I'm making time for this. I don't have time. Um, I think that's something a lot of people need to realize. We don't have time. We make time for what we do. Yes. And uh, I was like, this is an absolute waste of time. I was really questioning what I was doing. And, and ironically, I was not looking at Wisconsin. And one of my Wisconsin friends sent me this facility and she's like, too bad. It's in Wisconsin. And so I checked it out and it happened to be four miles from my dad's house. And so I was like, okay, well, if anything, it's an excuse to my dad. So I, I scheduled a trip and I came and saw this place and the way everything fell between, you know, getting approved for a mortgage company, I got the lady down considerably what she was asking for the property to something that I could actually afford as a 23 year old that, you know, just graduated school and, and didn't have a whole lot. So all the pieces. And when I was looking at, it, I was like, this is right. And so when I got there, it was just this feeling of, okay, how, how can I make things better? And I saw a future here. And it's funny because it had been left dormant all summer long. And, and there was, it was not, it was definitely a fixer upper, but it's like, this is, this is where I see my life. And it was very instant. I was like, when I got there, it's like, yep, this is it. And so we went through the negotiating and at every point I was like, okay, well, if I can't get her down to a price, can't afford and it's not meant to be and so really being open about okay if it happens and okay if it doesn't and the way pieces fell everything worked out the way it was supposed to and, and it was you know conveniently located next to my dad because my other fear was 
moving cross country and knowing nobody. I'm not a social person. I don't really have a social life. Like moving up to middle of nowhere, Montana, who would I call if I got a flat tire or if, you know, some, something happened and I needed a ride. So it was, it was nice knowing I had a support network because it is really close to where I grew up. So all the pieces aligned, it felt right. And I was able to just be like, this is it. And I, I took the leap and I never looked back and doing what I have to, to make ends meet in the meantime. So incredible. And I feel, I used to always say, you know, as you get older, you learn to really listen to your gut or however you want to put it, that, that sense, that knowing that feel, it just feels right. You got that really young. I mean, I think people have it for their lifetime, but they don't learn to trust it until later on. Do you feel that horses have played a big role in you really connecting so profoundly with that? Oh, without horses, I don't even know where my life would be. I mean, it would probably be terrible. All of the amazing people I've met have all been through horses. Well, and not only, you know, so I didn't have like the most wonderful childhood and, and horses were my escape. So they really taught me how to be grounded from, from a really young age. Um, there were a lot of times it's like, all I cared about was just spending time. And, and what the horse is really good for is bringing us back to the present. Horses aren't living in the future. So if we're living, I think it's Ben Atkinson again, or maybe it was Warwick Schiller um, has a quote. If we're living in the past, oh, what is it? If we're living in the future, we're living in anxiety. If we're living in the present, we're like grounded. And then if you're living in the future or no future is anxiety, past is like worry or something like that. And so it really is horses bring us back to the present and they don't live in the future. They don't live in the past. All they know is what's going on right now. And so getting to spend time with them, I got to just be with them mentally. So no matter what was going on in my life, what was happening elsewhere, you know, at home, at school, I could go be with my horse and just be. And so that was, it was one of those things that was really good for me. Had I not had that, that's my driving force to have a therapeutic center is all the amazing things horses have done for me. And I really want to be able to share that someday with the world because they have so much to offer, but people do have to be open to it. Yes. That's the one thing they have to open their mind up to the fact that, that there is more to life and, and, you know, the power of the mind is huge. What you, what you set your mind on or are open to or close to really dictates where your future is going to go. Yeah, that's exactly right. And let's talk about like the healing power of horses, not just, I mean, what they teach us, what they show us about ourselves. Um, I mean, I think they have the most beautiful qualities of any being on this planet. You know, the trust, the acceptance, the uh, all their beautiful, beautiful qualities that we can all, if we embody those, our world would be the most beautiful place. Um, what do you say as far as healing goes? Like when you talk about having a therapeutic riding center, tell me more about what types of people will be coming and what you kind of know that you'll see as far as the healing of these people. So it's also one of those things I feel very strongly about that the right opportunity will open at the right time. Um, so as far as what kind of people, my idea is I would love to help people with physical disabilities. So like Down syndrome, stuff like that, nonverbal kids, um, people in wheelchairs, you know, horses can be legs for someone like that. I got to volunteer at a therapeutic center 
um, in high school and got to watch non-verbal kids speak for the first time ever. You know, these are teenagers who have never spoke a word in their entire life. So, you know, what horses can bring out in people with mental and physical disabilities. Um, but I'm also very open to the idea of doing more of like a, a wellness type for anybody, you know, depression, PTSD, anxiety. I think horses are great for literally any of it. So my hope and desire is I really want to focus on the physical stuff like Down syndrome. And I have a soft spot for kids. Um, I feel like kids can't choose their path as much as adults. So I'd really, I want to be able to kind of be a mentor and be there for kids and show them that there is more outside of what could be a really unhealthy family, family situation. Whereas adults, I hold a little bit more accountable. It's like, well, you're kind of the product of your own choices. So um, ideally, I'd love to get into kids with physical disabilities, but I definitely, I've known several people to go through um, like drug addiction, rehab, or, you know, alcohol and stuff like that. And if the right opportunity presents itself, I will absolutely take the opportunity. And so I know a couple people right now going and getting their drug and alcohol counselor's license and um, would love in the future to pair with stuff like that. I've also been in contact with the counties to do kids programs that are that are really rehabbing, you know, in that way. And I'm not sure what direction I'm going to take yet. I just know that I want to, and I don't want to go to school for this stuff either. What my role is, is I want to have the facility. I want to have the courses and I want to enable the process to happen. So, you know, I'd like to get other therapists in my facility and, um, you know, I'll kind of be like the horse person and, you know, control the animals and depending on what kind of therapy it is, um, do the groundwork them and you know counselors and stuff in to actually help these patients amazing and we've That's been doing what yet amazing. And, oh, and i love that and i feel like we've been doing stuff here and i kind of feel like it's the horses that are the therapists and we're just yeah. facilitators we're just letting the horses do their thing what do you think is the greatest healing power of a horse why are they so powerful in this kind of service ah i they're they're almost their kindness so everything that that a horse has we can really relate to to our own life but horses have a way of of getting into people's minds and almost grounding them um, their energy and their presence is super soothing. And so I do know that there's some science out there that a horse is like, their thing is like 10 times greater than any other mammal. So there is actually some science to it too, that especially with the kids with physical disabilities, they can actually sink their heart rate. Um, so there's some science I haven't, I'm not a, not a huge textbook kind of study person. I do know there's some science behind it as, as far as why horses are really grounding. Um, but really it's their patience and their kindness. And so it gives people and their requirement, it requires people to be present. And so when people don't live in the present, I feel like that's where they get stuck. So the fact that they can show all this kindness and this patience, and they require people to be present, it really gets us into a headspace where we can heal and think about things and, and look at, you know, where we're going and, and where we want to go. Amazing. I totally agree. And one thing I just so love is how horses don't judge, you know, they, they might judge our behavior, but they're not judging us. 
And it's that total acceptance of that leads to the love and the kindness where you just feel, I feel at home. When I'm with my horses, I just feel at home. I feel loved. I feel accepted. I feel like I belong. And I feel the intensity of the, the beautiful intensity of the relationship because it takes work to, to create that, you know, being prey animals, like they're not going to just trust that you're not going to come over and eat them. It's like when you develop that, like what you've done with your horses, I just can't even put words to describe what my relationship with Savannah means to me, why it, how it makes me feel. I can't yet put words to that. Um, I don't know if you can, but with your greatest horse connection to this point, do you have like that one horse that was just your, your soulmate horse? I know you talked about the dog that you had and I had one of those too, but your horse. No, um, I have lots of horses that are different parts of my journey. Um, my, my first one probably was when I was 10 and it was her and I had such an amazing bond. I could be in anybody's car and start driving down the road and she would come running to the sound of my voice. No, no one else, you know, she picked me and I could go lay out in the herd of 20 horses and she would stand over top of me and protect me like her baby. Um, so she was really my first interaction that we can have very personable relationships with a horse because she didn't like everybody. No one, I mean, not anybody could get on and ride her around and, and I could do anything to this horse and she protected me like I was her own child. Um, so she was really my first kind of intro to, okay, this is more than just something that you can like, pull around and tell it to do what you want it to do. And so she brought out riding and stuff like that. And, and since then I've had a lovely phenomenal horses and unfortunately I have one in my pasture right now who arguably is is one of my better connections for sure but she's been lame so which for people that don't know lame does not mean they suck lame means that they are limping or aren't sound um, so I haven't been able to kind of continue a path down with her but I can go she can sit for three years and I'll go hop on her in the pasture with nothing on and can get her where I want her to go but she definitely challenges me and there's probably been five or six that were really like really strong connection. And each of them taught me something different um, about horses and, you know, taking my horsemanship further and going back to the drawing board and, and figuring out why this worked for one horse, but not the other and, and learning how to respond to them as individual rather than just putting them into the horse and this is how you do it. So they all have to teach us. Amazing. Um, is there anything, Tiffany, that you would change? I feel like every part of it was, was something that was meant to be. So everything that sucked was a lesson that I can learn from. And everything that was awesome is also a lesson I can learn from. And I can be grateful for all of that. So I really, I wouldn't change anything about how my life has progressed because it's all just part of one big beautiful masterpiece and you know it's I love the saying it's like um the crack light you know had I not been broken had I not gone through things there wouldn't be as much light to shine through so I I love I love my path I love where I've been um there's definitely moments that I don't love about it but you can learn from those and I think it's beautiful everybody take that in rewind it 
20 seconds, listen again, listen again, listen again. That is a philosophy for life that will serve you in every single way. Is there any great lesson, Tiffany, that you've learned, maybe that came from a mistake or, but a, a lesson that really um, you would want to share with everyone listening today? A lesson that you learned maybe the hard way that you could save people that pain by sharing it with them now? The It probably has something to do with the power of your mind. I mean, what you are feeding yourself, what you are telling yourself, you know, if you go out and are, so something that I use to get through the hard times, there were a lot of times, especially this winter, Wisconsin's are brutal winters and it would be negative 30 degrees out and I was dealing with freezing hoses and, you know, what was supposed to be a 20 minute job was taking seven hours and, you know, I'd get really upset and defeated and I'd sit there and I would be really you know kind of down and, and crying about things and but quite honestly I was having to turn it around to be okay why am I having this problem because I have horses and why I'm so lucky to have horses and turning it into a blessing like if we have nothing we don't have any problems great perfect if you want to live an easy life don't do anything you know don't do anything you know everything takes work and so you know even when you're stuck remember how you can be grateful for why you're stuck. So, you know, if I'm having a bad day with a horse, you know what, I'm really blessed to have that horse and being able to control the power of your mind, um, I think is, is one of the biggest things that's helped me that I've come to realize within the last probably two years, you know, before things would suck, I'm like, man, this sucks. Why do I have to do this? Why is this happening to me? And instead I'm like, well, okay, yep, it sucks, but you know, I'm so lucky to be doing what I do and having these challenges that I have and, and learning from them. So even if it's something out of your control, like a relationship with somebody else, it's like, I've had several really rocky relationships and, and what they've taught me is, you know, find boundaries. And so you can learn from anything. And so being able to take a step back and turn it into a stepping stone into a different is, is important. Gold. I mean, this is one that you all need to listen to more than once. And just to add on to that, Tiffany, I think you'll appreciate this. I'll never forget a day in the middle of winter and everything was all muddy and we're trying to like, our ATV was broken and we're trying to get the hay out to the backs of the fields. And my mom, my 80 year old mom was helping us. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so horrible. It's so hard. Why is this happening? And she said, no flies. <laughs> As if to say, like, no flies in this weather. There's because in the summer we get so many flies. And I was like, that's brilliant. Because it's just like what you're saying. Like, focus on what you do have, not on what you don't. Focus on what's right, not on what's wrong. Focus on solutions exactly. rather than the problem. So Tiffany, I could have you here for 10 hours, but I won't do that to you because I respect your time. I know how much work you have to do, but thank you for being such a gift in our lives, but now just bringing such a beautiful gift to my listeners and everyone out there that's going to hear this and learn from you. You are wise beyond your years, and I just love you so much. So thank you for giving us this gift. I love you too. And I absolutely admire what you do. And I'm so grateful for this opportunity as well. Well, thank you. How can people find you and continue to learn from you and witness you or come to your 
Um, Grace, is it Grace and Grit Horsemanship? Yes. Okay. Yeah, tell Grace, us more. Horsemanship. I have a, I do have a Facebook page and that's really all I'm on. So um, as far as like a business, I don't have a website or anything yet since this is still, you know, I just kind of started pursuing this in August. So it's still relatively new and I'm sure I'll get all the business side of it out eventually, but I have a Facebook page called Grace and Grit Horsemanship right now. And and that's other than my my personal pages, but that's that's where people can find me. Amazing. And there are lots of videos of you out there as well. Um, so you guys can search on Google and check out some of the amazing stuff that she's done. You're just extraordinary, Tiffany. So thank you for being my highlight of this of the year with my podcast. I so appreciate you and I hope I get to see you soon. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Thanks, Tiffany. Thank you for listening and sharing this precious time with me. Please remember to subscribe and to leave me a review. You can find me on Instagram at Siri Lindley, Facebook Siri Lindley, and Twitter at Seltz, S-E-L-T-S. You can also reach me via email at info at Have an amazing day and shine on.